0: Hey Packer fans, happy game day. By now you probably know that you can go to prizepicks.com slash Packaday and use code Packaday for a first deposit match up to $100, but if you didn't know, now you do. I've got my three picks ready for Packers Vikings today, so without further ado, here are my selections. Number one on my list, Jaden Reed, more than 4.5 receptions. We know that Christian Watson's doubtful for this game. Dontavian Wicks is questionable. We're not sure if he's going to be able to play. Either way, with this aggressive Vikings defense, I'm expecting that they're going to want to try to get the ball out of Jordan Love's hands early and often. And a lot of times in those situations, they're spamming Jaden Reed to try to get the ball in his hands and let him be a playmaker. So I'm going more than 4.5 receptions for Jaden Reed. Next up on my list, number two, Jaron Hall, more than 222.5 passing yards. Listen, It's the Packers' pass defense. Need I say more? But I actually had this selected before we even learned of Eric Stokes' injury. Jair Alexander is suspended. This is a really bad Packers secondary. We know at minimum they're going to have, you know, Justin Jefferson, they're going to have KJ Osborne. We'll see if they actually have Jordan Addison or not in this game. But either way, this is a disadvantage for the Packers' pass defense. And I'm going Jaron Hall, more than 222.5 passing yards. Number three, Aaron Jones, more than 72.5 rushing plus receiving yards. Listen, when Aaron Jones is healthy, they build the offense out of him. And yes, there's usually going to be a lull around the second quarter where he doesn't get the ball a ton. It sucks. It is what it is, but I still expect them to build this offense out of Aaron Jones more often than not expect them to get involved early and often. And I'm hoping Jones goes for maybe even 80 to 90 plus yards in this one, rushing plus receiving. So my three selections, Jaden Reed, more than 4.5 receptions, Jaron Hall, more than 222.5 passing yards and Aaron Jones, more than 72.5 rushing plus Receiving yards. Those are my picks. If you haven't tried prize picks yet, what are you waiting for? Go to prizepicks.comslash packaday and use code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.comslash packaday using code packaday for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. 20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, Packer fans? Happy game day. Welcome into an all new episode of the Pack a Day podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Before we get started today, I just want to say a sincere and honest thank you for all of your support all year long it has meant the absolute world to me would not be in this position if it were not for you guys covering the packers full-time 2024 is setting up to be my first full year covering the packers full-time i cannot wait tons of exciting things ahead but i would be remiss not to give you a huge shout out and a huge thank you as this year comes to an end and just really really appreciate you guys checking out the channel, the audio podcast, wherever you're getting the feed. It just means a lot. And I hope you have a safe and happy holiday and new year. Um, And just wanted to kind of kick things off by saying that today. So thank you so, so much. And I can't wait for an exciting 2024. Of course, we've got a Packers game today. Packers-Vikings primetime New Year's Eve Sunday night football elimination game. Cannot wait to chat about that one. Of course, a lot went on on Saturday as well. So let's start there. Let's start at the end of Saturday where you had a very crazy Lions-Cowboys game. I don't want to spend really any time on this, but a crazy ending. The whole eligible receiver, of course, you had the fumble out of the end zone. Just a lot of really fun officiating stuff in this one. Unfortunately, it's been a little bit too much of that, or maybe a lot of bit too much of that this entire season of just some really, really poor officiating. Um, I don't know if you guys have had the opportunity to read the pool report yet, but the the whole thing just seemed ridiculous. The Lions seemingly did everything they needed to do, explained what they were going to do pregame. I get that they're trying to pull a fast one basically on everyone in that situation, but if you explained everything to the referees prior to the game and then did everything by the book, which it seems like they did, it shouldn't be an issue now how that would have played out if the offici- you know officials actually would have called the right number and said hey 60 I thought it was it 68 is eligible on the play then Dallas probably covers him better it's so hard to say but that was a crazy ending and then for Dan Campbell to go for two still at the 7 yard line like that was crazy just kick the extra point at that point and then you get the offsides penalty which is even crazier you get another chance at it and then Goff's just late on the throw and Dallas comes away with the win what a bizarre and crazy game but uh, what a way to, I guess not kick off the week since there was Thursday night football, but kick off the weekend of football, I guess. What what a crazy, crazy game. And hopefully that's a harbinger of things to come all day Sunday and a really fun day of watching football. All right. Speaking of which, who should you be cheering for on Sunday? Of course, Packers over Vikings is the key one. This is, like I said, an elimination game In for all intents and purposes for the Vikings and the Packers losing. You're pretty much out and you might be out depending on what happens the rest of the day. But... On its very simplest terms if you can get a packers win a bears win over the falcons and either a Giants or a Steelers win against the Rams and Seahawks respectively, Green Bay would control their own destiny next week. So again, Packers win, Bears win, and one of either the Giants or the Steelers picking up a win, and Green Bay controls their own destiny next week. The teams that you're ultimately cheering for on Sunday, besides the Packers of course, Bears, Giants, Steelers, and Buccaneers are the four that you want to win those games. Those all help Green Bay in some capacity. If the Packers win and they get help from the Bears, Giants, Steelers, and Buccaneers. Again, Green Bay would control their own destiny in that situation. And per the New York Times, Green Bay would have an 89% chance of making the playoffs. Of course, a lot of that would be predicated on the Packers beating the Bears next week, but that is next week. And this is this week. And of course, right now we need to focus primarily on Packers, Vikings. But again, one more time, Bears, Giants, Steelers, Buccaneers, who you should be cheering for during the course of the day. All right, back to Saturday really quick. It started off with not great news. Eric Stokes was announced that he had been added to the injury report, and more importantly, that he was going to be out for the game. I then hypothesized, I'm like, man, if he's got another hamstring injury, which is what this is, like I, to me, he probably just goes on IR. He's probably not coming back at this point, and you're probably just better off letting him rest the remainder of the season, and then that's exactly what they did. Stokes goes on IR. Benny Sapp gets added to the 53-man roster, and Bo Melton is activated for game day. Now, Melton makes sense. I'm actually surprised they didn't give him the 53-man roster spot. Now, Benny Sapp was out of activations, although they did have the active 53 spot with Jair being suspended, but I guess they probably just wanted to keep that open for next week when he's coming right back. Eric Stokes going on IR opens the spot um, again for, in the meantime, Benny Sapp. Either way, Sapp activated, Melton activated, and Eric Stokes on IR. The Stokes situation is just brutal. This is another hamstring injury for him. He's barely played over the course of the last two seasons. These last two weeks weren't great. The first game, a uh, lot of rust, and you could you know, have a little bit more... Ac- In both games, you're willing to give some accident forgiveness based on the fact... You know he's just coming back from a huge absence of actually playing defense and played a ton in those two games. I didn't think either game was quite as bad as they were portrayed. I thought the Buccaneers game was actually worse. I know he gave up the two touchdowns. One of them is on a scramble drill that's not his fault. the The quarterback gets outside of the pocket, buys like eight seconds, and Stokes is even still Stokes is um, you know in in the vicinity, and the quarterback has to make a perfect throw. You still need to cover it. I'm not saying it's perfect by Eric, but that's not a huge you know demerit against him in that game and then you also have the other touchdown where he's right there you, he, he needs to make that play. He doesn't. In fact, the quarterback threw behind the receiver and it's a play, like I said, hundred percent he needs to make, but the coverage wasn't also terrible on the play. It just, it wasn't good these past two weeks. Let's just put it that way. I don't think it was as egregious as maybe some people made it out to be, but you've got major questions, major, major questions with Eric Stokes moving forward. You've got injury questions. You've got talent questions. You've got Does he regain his form and his speed that made him such an enticing prospect coming out of college even prior to the injury? Last year, he did not look good. I, I just don't know how you can go into next year being like, "Yep, Eric Stokes, we've got that set for a starting corner next year." Like he's going to have to earn everything, in my opinion. Now, I saw, of course, the immediate reaction: "Oh, he's you know he can't stay on the field. Cut him." It doesn't make any sense at this point. Uh, he's going to have a 53-man roster spot next year. He's too talented, you know, to not have a 53 spot. But I don't think you go into the off season being like Stokes is guaranteed a starting corner spot. I, to me, he would have to earn that going into next year. All right. Meanwhile there were also roster moves that were not made. The With Eric Stokes being out and Jair Alexander being suspended, it did leave Green Bay with only five corners. Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, Keyshawn Nixon, David Long Jr., and Robert Rochelle. Now, the big key here was that Robert Rochelle was also on the injury report listed as questionable, which led me to believe that they could activate the only other corner on their roster. Pause to see if you know who it is. It is, of course, Zion Gilbert. Uh, who is on their practice squad. They did not activate Zion Gilbert, which would lead me to believe that Robert Rochelle is probably good to go. I don't think you'd want to go into this game with only four corners. So my guess is he's going to play and that will leave you with Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, and Keyshawn Nixon likely as the starters. I will be interested if they have any sort of game plan for David Long or if they just plan to use him on special teams. And then Robert Rochelle would be probably just primarily special teams would be my guess, assuming he is active. The other big news, no defensive tackle activated. Remember, TJ Slayton didn't practice earlier in the week. He did practice in a limited capacity on Friday. He was listed as questionable. I cannot imagine in any way that they go into this game with only four defensive tackles. That would lead me to believe that TJ Slayton probably will suit up and play in this one. Still listed as questionable, but with no Jonathan Ford or Chris Slayton activated, I can't imagine they're going in with only Clark, Wyatt, Wooden, and Brooks hopefully that means that Slayton is going to be active and good to go on this game. Meanwhile, they also did not activate Luke Musgrave, Luke Tenuta, or Emmanuel Wilson. So without them being activated from IR, they were listed as doubtful, um, all three of them. They are now officially out. So if you're holding out any hope, Musgrave, Tenuta, or Wilson were going to be activated. That was not done on Saturday, and therefore they will not be active in this game. That brings your total injury report to Eric Stokes on IR, Luke Musgrave, Luke Tenuta, and Emmanuel Wilson now out. Devondre Campbell and Christian Watson still listed as doubtful. I would be shocked if either of them play in this game. Questionable and did not practice is Dontavian Wicks questionable, and were limited in practice, Robert Rochelle, Darnell Savage, and TJ Slayton. As we mentioned, based on not calling players up, I would expect Robert Rochelle and TJ Slayton to play. If you're looking for the two players to really keep an eye on when the inactives come out an hour and a half prior to the game, Darnell Savage and Dontavian Wicks, in my opinion, are the two that you should be keeping an eye out for, as to me, the really true questionable players going into that uh, final inactives list. Meanwhile, the Vikings placed Troy Dye, their inside linebacker, who was listed as questionable on IR, so he will be out. They did add four players to the the roster for this game. Nick Vigil, linebacker, defensive back Jalen Williams, defensive tackle TJ Smith, and wide receiver Lucky Jackson. Out already for this game were Theo Jackson, Byron Murphy, Jalen Naylor, and Jaqueline Roy. And then questionable are Jordan Addison and Makai Blackman, two starters for that Vikings team. Obviously, Addison, the tremendous rookie wide receiver, Blackman, the rookie corner. Those are the two big ones to watch on the Vikings inactive list, Makai Blackman and Jordan Addison. And again, for the Packers, Darnell Savage and Dontavian Wicks. Those are the four to watch for on the inactive list an hour and a half prior to the game. All right, let's jump into our keys to victory for this week. Number one, Numero uno on my list. What What's left for this Packers defense to try? Joe Barry is tasked with figuring out something. I don't know what. This has been a leaking ship that is gaining holes in it every single week. And it feels like the offense is trying to bail water and just new holes are popping up everywhere and the ship is just sinking, sinking, sinking. And it's being weighted down specifically by a defense that can't carry its own weight. It feels like, and I mentioned this this week, like it's just whack-a-mole where like you stop the run game and the passing game is just opening up in huge ways. You stop the passing game and the other team's running for 200 yards. And it's like you're screwed either way. You can't stop the run. If you sell out to stop the run, you can't stop the pass. doesn't matter who's at quarterback. And you're just in this total, complete no man's land. Last week, they tried more blitzing. It didn't work. Last week, they tried more man coverage. It didn't work. Now Jair and Stokes are out. Now probably Carrington Valentine, Corey Valentine, and Keyshawn Nixon are your primary starters. I don't know who's going to start at safety. We don't know if Savage is going to be out there. If he is or if he isn't, who's the you know, other starting safety or safeties, depending on Savage. There's a lot of questions. Either way, this defensive backfield against, even if it's just Justin Jefferson and, you know, KJ Osborne, that's a mismatch in and of itself. If Jordan Addison is healthy, then it's a complete mismatch. One of the bigger mismatches you will see in the NFL on any given Sunday, those Vikings wide receivers versus this Packers corner group. Green Bay is going to have to play a ton of zone. You're going to hate it. You're absolutely going to hate it, but I don't think they have any other option. There's like, you can't play man against Addison and Jefferson, especially if Addison's healthy. If Addison's no good, it gives you a little bit more option. You could maybe play man and try to double Jefferson. But if both those guys are healthy, I just think mo- like you're going to have to switch things up every once in a while, but man coverage is probably no good in this game. So it's a lot of zone that you're going to have to pressure from inside a little bit. I don't know where Joe Barry goes in this one. And this is where... I have zero apologies for Joe Barry. He's had a million and one chances in his career so far, but a part of me is like, yeah, I, I don't know what you do if you're a defensive coordinator in this one. I do know you have to find a way to generate pressure. This is a young rookie quarterback, and you're going to have to show him some looks that he hasn't seen before. I guarantee you O'Connell is going to give him as many easy looks as possible, and Joe Barry cannot compound that by giving him easy reads and allow him to play pitch and catch like the three quarterbacks the last three weeks have done against this Packers defense. It is imperative that Joe Barry come up with something, and I am not expecting a, oh, the Vikings, like the Packers held the Vikings to 10 points. No, you have to give the Packers offense a shot in this one. Can you limit the Vikings to 20 to 23 points? That might be too many. I don't know. That Vikings defense is really, really good, but I do know if the Vikings get into the 30s or beyond, you're probably just screwed. That's asking way too much of this Packers offense to put 30 plus on a Vikings team that limited them. In insane ways in week one, or week, the first time they played, I should say. And we'll get to that in just a moment. I, you just have to give this offense a puncher's chance to at least win this game um, by putting up some points. I'm not expecting anything more than that, but you can't allow 30 plus. You probably can't allow 27 plus. It probably needs to be closer to 20. And can you do that? That is the task for the defense this week. It's not an easy task, but you're on a third string quarterback, fifth round rookie out of BYU. They have no running game like figure something out, figure something out. I joked on live earlier this week, You maybe it's time for Joe Barry to do a Costanza. And where I mean that, if, if you remember with Seinfeld, George Costanza realized that every instinct he had in his body was wrong. Therefore, the opposite always had to be right. So Joe Barry, on every play, whatever your instinct is, do the exact opposite and maybe things will work this week. I don't have a perfect plan for you. There's, there's not a, there's no silver bullet here. There's not, it's not like they're just going to be like, oh, if we just do this, we can shut down the Vikings. It's not going to be that easy. This is a tough matchup with these defensive backs against those wide receivers, but you got to figure out something and this defense has to step up and finally carry their weight and just be competitive in this one so that Green Bay's offense has a chance. When you have a 365 day a year podcast, you need to have the energy and the health to be able to provide that content every single day of the year. When I'm not feeling the best, whether that be due to illness, gut health, or low energy, it's hard to focus and it's hard to be efficient with my work. Everything is just slower and everything becomes such a grind. That's why I started drinking AG1 daily. When I started drinking AG1, I could legitimately feel a difference in my energy and I noticed I was becoming sick far less often. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutritional supplement that supports your body's universal needs like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. I recommend AG1 to all my family and friends because AG1 has a team of doctors and scientists and because it is formulated based on the latest science while maintaining their high-quality standards. AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash packaday. That's drinkag1.com slash packaday. Check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. This year, our family had a few different ways that we did gifts for the holidays. We did some traditional presents, we donated to a variety of charities, and we planned a fun trip for the entire family. Of course, I may have snuck a gift for myself in there during the process as well, but whether or not your family gives gifts during the holidays, you still get to define how you give to yourself. A great way to do that is by giving yourself the gift of therapy. Therapy is powerful, it works and strives to make us the best versions of ourselves and work out the kinks of the everyday daily grind that can continue to beat us down. And during the holiday season, it's really easy to become unaligned with all the regular daily stress, plus the rigors and anxiety that come with the holiday season. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. My favorite part about BetterHelp is that it's entirely online, which makes things so incredibly convenient, and that it's flexible and can be suited to your own unique schedule. In this season of giving, give yourself what you need with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/Packaday to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp hel packaday Number two, Jordan Love and Matt Lafleur versus Brian Flores. Go back to the last time they played. This Vikings defense held Green Bay's offense to 10 points, 270 total yards, and only 4.4 yards per play they dominated Green Bay's offense. Those are atrocious offensive numbers. And Green Bay is going to have to find a way to be so much better than that in a much more hostile environment against a defense that has actually gotten, maybe I won't say exponentially better, but significantly better even from this last time that they saw each other earlier this year. This is no easy task. This is a defense that is playing extremely confident football that is confusing really smart offenses and leaving them shaking their heads and not knowing what just hit them. This is going to have to be a ultimate test for Jordan Love. Can he be much better than he was in that previous game against the Vikings? And Matt LaFleur is going to have to give him some easy answers to the test and allow him to get some easy stuff early in this game to allow safety valves and in options where he can get rid of the ball and let some of the playmakers do the heavy lifting in this one. You don't want Jordan holding the ball too long. This defense is aggressive. They will get after you. They will force fumbles. They will pick you off and they will make your day a living nightmare if you let them. So Matt LaFleur has to have a flawless game plan and Jordan Love needs to do his absolute best um, to, to execute that game plan, get the ball out of his hands and let his playmakers do a lot of the heavy lifting. If he doesn't, it could be a long day at the office. And we already know, we just talked about number one, this defense is gonna have a tough day. And you know, you're going to have to put up some level of points, probably 23 plus if you want to have a chance to win this game. And they're going to have to solve a Vikings defense that has not been very solvable over the course of this season. Number three, a large part in doing that will be establishing Aaron Jones. This offense looks totally different with a dynamic Aaron Jones in it. And Aaron Jones did play in their last matchup, but it was a limited role. I just think that this is it's now or never, right? This is an elimination game, but amounts to almost like a playoff game. You lose and you go home for the season. You have one game left, but you're likely eliminated. And this is the time. Like there you, you there's nothing to save Aaron Jones for if you lose this game. So you use him as much as you need, utilize him as much as you have to, and make sure that you're putting the ball in the hands of your best playmaker. For an opportunity to keep your playoff hopes alive and maybe go to the postseason. So to me, that means feed Aaron Jones early and often. I I get that there's probably some sort of limit to how many carries he can handle. But like I said, it doesn't matter what happens from here on out if you lose this game. So if you need to overuse him in this game, by all means overuse him because there's no tomorrow if this one's done. Aaron Jones, not only do you have to get him the ball, you have to find success. And that's going to be a huge task for this offensive line to give him alleys and running lanes, he doesn't need much. We saw that last week. The offensive line did not run block very well this past week, and Aaron Jones still found a ton of space against Carolina's defense, just because he's that dynamic. But if the offense can help, the offensive line can help him out a little bit and give him those creases, then you've got a real opportunity to let him be explosive and make it so that Jordan Love in this passing attack doesn't have to do all the heavy lifting, and Aaron Jones can take on a huge portion of that burden. Number four, Green Bay's edge rushers against Christian Darrisaw and Brian O'Neill. For my money, Darrisaw and O'Neill might be the best offensive tackle tandem in the NFL, specifically when it comes to pass pro. They're both really, really good. And we've, we know and we've seen if you don't get pressure on the opposing quarterback, this defense is just dead in the water. They have no answer to it. They don't have playmakers in the secondary. They're not sticky cover guys. They're just going to have wide receivers that are open, period. End of story. So it is so important that these edge rushers get pressure and maintain their passing lanes or pass rush lanes because you can't have another Tommy DeVito situation where Jaren Hall is scrambling around and buying time, either making plays with his legs or throwing down the field by gaining that extra time because these corners just aren't going to hold up for all that long. Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, LVN, Enigbare, they have to find ways to win and they have to find ways to win quickly against two of the best pass blocking offensive tackles in the league. Good luck. It's not an easy matchup but you've got to find a way to get the job done. They have not done a great job. I think Preston's been playing well. Rashawn hasn't been playing bad, but he hasn't been that impact playmaker. And Igbari and El have been getting some plays here and there, but they need to collectively play their best game of football and really put a ton of pressure on Jaron Hall in this one. And obviously that's not limited to the edge rushers. The interior defenders are in that as well, but those matchups on the outside with O'Neal and Darris are going to be really difficult, but it's that much more important that they win a good share of those to put that pressure on Jaron Hall. Number five, the exact opposite on the other side. Green Bay's offensive tackles, Rashid Walker and Zach Tom versus Daniil Hunter. I'm sure they're going to move Hunter around and they might even stand him up over center and guard. He's their big time pass rusher. And now I really like Zach Tom and Rashid Walker in pass pro. They've been good all season long, but that's the one guy you cannot let beat you on that defense from a pass rush standpoint. Hunter's so freaking good. He gets after you all game long. It's not an easy task, but those two have been pretty up to it when it comes to protecting the quarterback and pass uh, protection. This is a big matchup against Hunter. Like I said, Hunter cannot be the one to beat you, and you have to have maybe one of your better pass-blocking games this season. They they don't have a ton else from a pass rush standpoint. I remember Marcus Davenport went on IR earlier this season, but you have to have a plan for Daniel Hunter. Chip him, do whatever you need to do, but he can't have that Max Crosby-esque game that Crosby had against the Packers earlier this season. Number six, communication everywhere, offensively and defensively defensively, we know that this has been a major issue. They struggle to communicate, struggle to be on the same page, guys running free through zones. like They need to be at their best communicating and making sure that everyone's on the same page. And offensively, this Brian Flores defense makes you think, are they bringing three? Are they bringing eight? Are they bringing anything in between? Are they coming from the left, the right, the middle? You don't know. And what that forces you to do is it forces you to communicate and think And everyone needs to be on the same page because the running backs and tight ends need to understand their blocking assignments. The wide receivers need to understand if they are on a hot route or if they're running their normal route. Wide receiver or the tight end and running back need to know if they're staying in to protect or if they're going out on their route. And then the offensive linemen have to protect and and make sure they're communicating to make sure if you're sliding the protection one way or the other, that everyone's on the same page there. Jordan Love has to be on the same page with his, like it all has to be extremely tight and everyone needs to be on the same page. So the communication on offense and the communication on defense are going to be paramount on this one. Add on top of that, a crowd that gets extremely loud and a, you know, a defense that will get after you and force those pressures and force you to think and the communication and just the like both pre-snap and post-snap football IQ in this one are going to be super, super important. Number seven, There's no good Justin Jefferson plan, but you better have a plan A, a plan B, a plan C, and a plan D to take that guy away. He's the best player in this game. Period. Full stop. End of story. That's it. He is the best player in this game and you can't let him beat you. And like I said, double team zone, man, whatever it is, there's no perfect option. He's just that good. You could double team him, throw it up to him, and he still might go get the ball. He's just that good. You could double team him. He might just gain separation anyway. He's just that good. He is wide receiver one in the NFL. He's a phenomenal football player. And you're just kind of lucky that it's Jaron Hall and not Cousins or even a better quarterback throwing to him because that would be a absolute nightmare. It's a nightmare going against him anyway, but you're at least thankful that it's not a, you know some sort of Hall of Fame quarterback or something throwing to him. But you still have to have a plan. Green Bay struggled with that in the past. They have not had great Justin Jefferson plans. He's been a Packers killer, and Green Bay needs to have a much better idea of how to go against him. The Jordan Addison component of this is huge. If Addison plays, it makes things so much more difficult because Addison on his own is a dynamic playmaker that makes your day a living hell. And if you've got Justin Jefferson and Addison, it just compounds the problem. But either way, you have to have a plan for Justin Jefferson and make sure that he is not the one that is beating you consistently in this game. Number eight, do not let Minnesota get their run game going. This is not a good Vikings rushing attack. You cannot make them multi-dimensional in this game with a rookie fifth round starting quarterback. If they develop the running game and they're all of a sudden running for 150 yards in this game, you're just probably screwed because you know it's going to be a tough day at the office anyway on pass defense. And if you are making them, you know, making it so that it's unpredictable, they can run or pass play action on any given play, and you don't know what's coming next, this defense is just going to be in complete no man's land. Like they're just screwed at that point. If, if you can make the Vikings predictable that their run game sucks and they're going to have to pass a lot, either via stopping the run or via putting up points on offense to the point where they got to throw their way back into it then you've got a little bit more of a puncher's chance on defense because they're a little bit more predictable. Now you had a two touchdown lead against the Panthers with seven minutes left in the game and Carolina had to be predictable and you couldn't stop them. So it's not like I'm super encouraged even if they are having to be predictable, but I know that I'm super discouraged if they can go in any direction and especially if that Vikings run game is going. So do not let them get that going because like I said, you're probably just screwed at that point if that's the case. Number nine, attack Andrew Booth Jr. Byron Murphy's out in this one. We talked about Blackman, their rookie corner, who's questionable and may or may not play. But Andrew Booth Jr. has not been great since coming out of Clemson uh, and playing for the Vikings. That is a corner that you can attack if he ends up being on the field a ton, attack him as much as possible. That's probably a weak link that you need to go to early and often. And I do think that guys like Romeo Dobbs, Jaden Reed, you know, who's ever out there. If Wicks is out there, Bo Melton, I think they can take advantage of that matchup. And that's one that you probably want to look at and focus on and find that weak spot because there's not a ton of weaknesses within this Vikings defense that has the potential to be one of them. And then number 10, last but not least, ignore the noise, both literally and figuratively. Uh, literally, this is a super loud crowd, a super loud stadium. And from a cadence standpoint and the intensity, it, it can be a lot to handle and it's a major challenge. So you've got to find a way to take the crowd out of it. And you've got to manage a way to you know take away the adv- advantage uh, that the Vikings have with all the crowd noise at their disposal. So that's number one, that the literal version of it. Figuratively, this has been a bizarre week. You've got the Jair Alexander suspension, which has been, you know, obviously permeating the Packers' fear this week. And then, you know, is there drama in the locker room? Joe Barry's still there. Eric Stokes Stokeston on Saturday goes out and put on IR with the injury. Like, it's just been sort of this bizarre week. Can you ignore the noise and just go out and play the Vikings and realize that your playoffs are on the line and that you need to win to keep those playoff hopes alive? And so the the key here, ignoring the noise, again, literally the noise in the stadium, figuratively all the noise that's been around the team this week, just go play football. This is a, play, a playoff game, an elimination game, whatever you want to call it, a play-in game, like basically not play in because it's not like they're winning, they're in, but you get my point. If they lose, they're out, go out, win the football game, ignore all the noise surrounding this week and just outplay Minnesota. That's the goal. And that's what they're going to need to do if they want a victory in this one. So by 10 keys, figure out some sort of plan defensively, Number two, Jordan Love and Matt LaFleur have their hands full with this Brian Flores defense and need to come up with a really s- solid plan and then go execute it. Establish Aaron Jones, Green Bay's edge defenders versus Darison O'Neal, Green Bay's offensive tackles versus Daniil Hunter. Be a much better team from a communication standpoint. Have a Justin Jefferson plan. Don't let Minnesota get their run game going. Attack Andrew Booth Jr. and ignore the noise both literally and figuratively. My prediction in this one, I don't love it. I actually think this is a super competitive game. I think it's a one-point spread. Uh, I think Minnesota's a one-point favorite last I checked. I kind of like that. I think it's right around that. I think this is going to be like a one or two point game. I'm going Vikings 23, Packers 21. I do really think Green Bay has every opportunity to win this game. The two things that separate it for me are home field for Minnesota and Justin Jefferson. Like I said, they've got the best player in the game and they've got home field advantage. To me, that's the difference. Vikings 23, Packers 21. But I do think this should be hopefully an entertaining game and hopefully a game that Green Bay can come away with super competitive. And uh, like I said, it's an elimination game. So uh, Green Bay needs to do everything they can to come away with this win. I think they've got every opportunity there for them. I don't feel great about the prediction, not just because I'm saying the Packers might lose, but just this is a really tough one to predict. And I think this is a really close, entertaining, competitive game, and it could go either way. But I'm going Vikings 23, Packers 21. That is going to do it for me today. I hope you all have the most insanely incredible New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, hopefully capped with a Packers win and a victory Monday to start the new year. Have a safe holiday, and I cannot look more, you know, forward more to 2024 and all the things that the Packaday Podcast are going to bring this year. Of course, shout out to our Hall of Fame and All Pro members: Most Hated Minnesotan PJ Wynn, John Wild, Shea Bradad, Arnoldo Espinosa, Jennifer Wright, Boom Handle, Lori Lord, Donald Lee, Donald Lee, Baby QB, and MB 1023. That's going to do it for me today. But until next time, and as always, and especially on game day, go Pack! Go.